You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, 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 the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know, that crap like that. You know, all this stuff that's contaminated America where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring Little League anymore. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that damn you Hey buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Yeah. Hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, alive. We got a great show lined up for the listeners here to finish the week strong. And, you know, it's great that we're getting all these coach clips. Uh, you know, I can feel it in the air. I know it's it's hotter than hell outside, but uh, mm-hmm. it still feels a little bit like football. All the anticipation going. And, man, we have got one heck of an interview lined up with Rusty Manziel of 24-7 Sports going to go on a deep dive on the Georgia Bulldogs. So uh, you ready to uh, do this thing? Hell yeah, Mike. Let's do it. Before we go around the league, Shane, big news out of Columbia because uh, the defensive back, Karon Prunty, the, remember this was a, only a couple weeks ago. This guy was a freshman All-American at Kansas, mm-hmm. and he was yep. down to Tennessee, South Carolina. Uh, both programs thought they were getting him, and Shane Beamer won out in that uh, recruiting battle, and – you know, that was huge because there ain't many All-Americans on the in the transfer portal and very few that uh, at the Power 5 level that right. come into the SEC penciled in as a starter day one. He has already left uh, a little over a week into the South Carolina camp, and all indications I'm hearing this is like a personal matter, not, mm-hmm. not any kind of didn't get kicked off the team, yeah. didn't get arrested, nothing like that, so it was nothing bad but he is not going to be on South Carolina's team. And I have no idea what that means for his status moving forward. But, uh, you know, this is potentially devastating. You don't, you don't never want to say one player is, is, you know, going to make or break the season by any means. I'm not trying to suggest that. But uh, given the fact that he was just got on campus and they were penciling him in as a starter, kind of gives you an indication of, of how bad they needed him there in Columbia. And now that there's a huge hole in that secondary without him. Yeah, man, is he – Anybody see which way he went? Like east on 40, maybe? (laughs) Wait, west? (laughs) Sorry, man. Uh, You know, this is what I hate, and and it's going to be kind of a theme here, a sad theme you're going to hear when we do get around the news and around the league. It's that time, man, when you start losing a few players, some of it for injuries. You you hate hearing it through a portal, a kid like this, because there's a handful of programs. Actually, there's three programs (laughs) – that that didn't receive votes. They need every little bit of help that they can have right now here in the offseason. That was a big part of it. So you know that's a big hit in Columbia for sure. Yeah, well, we got an SEC East heavy pod today, Shane. You ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go now around the league. My daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. 
So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should we should mix those games up, and you should um, you know play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Right, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys, hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, and hopefully uh, one day soon we'll have video instead of just uh, a black image there on the YouTube for that. Uh, I'm going to be working on that this weekend. But uh, let's start things off in uh, the other Columbia, Columbia, Missouri. M-I-Z! The Tigers just had their first scrimmage of camp. And, you know, by all indications, according to Eli Drinkowitz, uh, the offense looking sharp, not only Connor Basilak, but uh, even the backup quarterbacks are, are starting to – fit in that groove and camp and that's what you want to hear and you know I thought um, you know like you indicated there we've got some tough injury news here with one of the freshmen that just got on campus but uh, other than that a lot of good buzz here from Eli Drinkowitz and in particular let's kick it over to his comments on Connor Basilak and the leadership from a guy that you know just entering his second year of really seeing the football field. First off, wanted to give a uh, injury update. I know somebody had asked me about that last time we were together, and I said I'd get you, get you up one. So um, right now, Chad Bailey will be back on Friday. Michael Wilson's already returned, which y'all had asked me about. We have three freshman injuries to update. So uh, Zaquan Reeves uh, had a lower leg injury. We'll, we will be out at least till midseason uh, working to rehab that. John Jones, uh, during our freshman um Physicals, we discovered an injury, and so we've corrected that. He'll be out the, re the remainder of this season, uh, so he will take his red shirt. And then Jamarian Gooch uh, has been uh, has is a medical disqualification um, due to just uh, medical issues that I can't get into. Uh, discovered during the initial um, physical diagnosis that we do on all incoming freshmen, and so. Uh, um, I, you know, I thought the uh, one offense had a couple of third down conversions that were really big. On a couple of explosive plays, um, you know the twos uh, did some things good offensively. Had a, a play really right before our mini half, uh, and, and then our threes converted on a, a big fourth down. Uh, defensively, you know, uh, giving up a couple of explosive plays with the ones didn't get the pressure on the quarterback that we need to in order to be successful. Um, you know, had a big turnover. Damian Wilson had a big interception, scored, so that that's good. Score on defense is always important. And then the, the, the threes got a stop in the red zone to end the scrimmage. So it was a fourth down stop, and, and they were able to get a sack right there. So that was nice. Is there the fact that Connor is younger, you know, kind of the leadership that you've seen with them through this ball game, specifically for those guys in the Well, he's done an excellent job um, leading and, and being more vocal. And, and uh, you know, I've ever, even given him opportunities to lead offensive unit meetings and talk to those guys about – what his expectation is on certain plays and how he, he sees it. And, and uh, he's really taken that um, by the horns and, and uh, has been really good at it. And I think that's just the growth of being a quarterback. Uh, so I think he's got the respect of his teammates. All right, Shane. So there's uh, Drinkowitz comments. Like I said, he didn't have a, a lot to say, a lot to reveal. This is immediately coming off the practice field here. But uh, anytime an offensive-minded coach like this is hyping up his quarterback, that uh, you know has only seen the field really for one season of meaningful action, mm. and and noting the leadership there by the young quarterback, uh, I think that's got to fire you up if you're a Missouri fan. Oh yeah, a lot of a lot of sneaky good buzz coming out of Columbia, and, and and it's one of those programs that you know doesn't have the hype. This is one of those teams that you're not really talking about until they upset somebody. So that's that's kind of the vibes I'm getting when we talk about Mizzou. But uh, something I want to ask you, Mike, because you got a little bit of a medical background. I always think about like Trey Smith when we talk about these physicals, and sometimes these doctors will catch them before the season starts, and, and it could have saved their lives. Mm -hmm. So, uh, are you? I, I don't want to speculate, but what kind of things do do you know? What kind of things they go through when entering uh, fall camp? 
or especially like incoming freshmen, what kind of, is it more blood work you think that, that they're going through is when, when he talks and I, again, I don't want to speculate. It could be a, a season or it could be an injury from high school or something they need to correct. Or, mm-hmm. uh, I'm just kind of curious your thoughts. Yeah, I think it's, uh, obviously a lot more advanced in the sec than, you know, in the high school level. So it is blood work. It's, uh, you know, looking at the heart, it's looking at the brain, looking at the lungs, things of that nature. So, yeah, I have no idea what's going on here with Gooch, and it sucks because really he's been attached to three SEC programs. He was committed to yeah. to Auburn, signed with Tennessee. Pruitt got fired. They let him go. Now he's at Missouri. So, uh, you know, he never even seen the field, and and hopefully maybe he does one day. Uh, Drinkwitz made it clear that uh, you know he just cannot play for Missouri, and that. I have no idea, but maybe that means he could suit up for another team down the line once he gets his condition, whatever it is, taken care of. But, uh, you know, this is this is certainly not the first I've heard of this. I'm, I think it was just last uh, training camp there in Gainesville. They had a player similar. Again, I don't know what's going on with Gooch, but they announced there at Florida that it was some kind of heart condition with the Florida guy that uh, he yep. couldn't see the field. Now, was Gooch dismissed from the program? No, no, no. They keep him on. Oh, okay. Uh, but it, it's just – it's called a metal, medical hardship. So I don't think okay. they, they count against the scholarship, you know, at limits and all that, but uh, they do get to stay on and, and go to school, thankfully. I got you. I, I switched jobs a few years back, right? And I had to go to the doctor. And uh, right out of the gate, right when I got my insurance, and man, I got a glimpse of the bill, and it was like thousands of dollars. And I was like, <laughs> I wonder if they're going to fire me. <laughs> I just came over here. I don't know exactly how all that stuff works. Uh, I didn't want to raise the premiums or anything, but I always thought, you know, like, man, I, am I am I cheating this company or what? So, but anyway, I was. So it's good to know that these kids don't get kicked off if they got some problems they take care of them. But I, I just I was always kind of curious in the way Eli explained it. I was just in the back of my mind. I was like, I wonder what they go mm-hmm. through when they enter a program. Well, Shane, we got you on the line here, so we got to talk some Tennessee. Let's kick it on mm-hmm. down to Rocky Top. All right, well, the Vols just had their first scrimmage of uh, the Josh Heupel era here in you know, of course, what's the big talking point? Quarterbacks, quarterbacks, quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And sticking to that theme, Brian Maurer uh, did not participate on Wednesday, and he did not participate in Thursday's scrimmage. So we'll get to his comments here in a moment, but uh, certainly sounds like Brian Maurer is not going to be with the team moving forward, at least according to all indications. And mm-hmm. I think if you're a Tennessee fan, it's uh, – I'm not trying to dismiss him at all, but I think if you're looking at a, the four-team quarterback race, you certainly thought that uh, Brian Maurer was was kind of last in that race, didn't you think? Yeah, I mean, he, there was he he showed glimpses of being a good quarterback. Yeah, and and I thought maybe I don't know with the right coach at the helm that maybe he can kind of harness some of that energy that he brought because there were sometimes, man, I was a huge Brian fan. I was like, this is our future guy. So apparently if he's, he's struggling in that competition and I don't, you know, I don't want to say exactly what all happened behind closed doors, but, uh, clearly he's, uh, moved on and now we've narrowed it down to three. And as a Tennessee ball fan, that's what you want. You want this thing to get down to one by the time the fall kicks off. Yeah, he's got some Brett Favre to him, and uh, I don't necessarily mean that in, in uh, you know his arm talent. Brett Favre was one of a kind mm-hmm. there, but just uh, you know, just kind of out there, just like a gunslinger out there, you know, and, and, yeah. and sacrificing his body. So uh, certainly, you know, wish him the best moving forward. But it doesn't sound like that's going to yeah. be at Tennessee. Yeah, for sure. So let's kick it over to Josh Heupel, who recapped his thoughts on the scrimmage, how the quarterbacks looked. That was a big talking point. And again, another unfortunate injury here, Kron Calbert, who, you know, he wasn't uh, penciled in to start at left tackle, but all indications, we just had uh, Ben McKee on the show, and I've heard from others that uh, they thought Kron was likely going to be the starting left tackle. He got hit with the with a tough biceps injury here. Yeah, Josh, what is Brian Maurer's status with the team at this point, and why was he absent from practice yesterday? Yeah, I just had an initial conversation with him at, at some point a few days ago as far as uh, the reps and how those things were going to be divided up. Um, no further update on, on him. Uh, we'll have a conversation with him during the uh, the off day here. Uh, follow up on Brian Maurer. Did he take part in pre- in the scrimmage or practice today? He and- did not. No. 
Coach, just break down kind of what your thoughts on the quarterbacks were, um, you know, the, the three that were there, and just kind of with Joe's first time going through things, how, how did he manage, you know, the I offense? Th I thought he managed things really well inside of the pocket. Uh, for all, you know, for, for Joe, <coughs> excuse me, and, and Hendon and for Harrison, you know, some of it's tough because you're not in a live situation. Are they going to make a play? Are you going to be able to get out of the pocket? Those types of, of scenarios. But I thought all of them did a great job of, of taking care of the football. We're efficient in, in calling it for the most part. I, I thought their decision making and, you know, what we're doing in the run game and, and controlling the pass game, too, was, was pretty solid. Uh, at the end of the day, I don't think offensively we collectively strung things together the way that we need to. Uh, some of that is just 11 guys all doing their job at a really high level. It's not one position, one guy. Uh, it was a little bit of everything at, at all points in it. Um, uh, you know, through the first seven days, I, I thought all those guys have competed really well and really been sound decision makers. You talked about the, the offensive tempo, things not being stringed together completely. Um, can you see the light at the end of the tunnel there, though? Can yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, at the end of the day, like offensive football, I don't care what tempo you're playing at, you, you got to be efficient, right? And, and that means 11 guys got to do their job. Um, you don't, um, you know, you're going to be on the wrong side of it. You know, whether it's a drop ball, uh, whether it's a busted protection, uh, create negative plays. Um, you got to be able to string things together. And, and uh, we've seen that throughout uh, training camp. Uh, today you didn't see it consistently at the level that we certainly want it to be. Uh, but absolutely feel like our guys are continuing to progress as we've gone through camp. There, there's some really good things out there from today too. Josh, can you update the status of Karon Calvert and how that works into your offensive line? How you guys are going to start rotating a yeah, little bit more? Yeah, uh, Karon did have uh, surgery um, and uh, will not be with us here for an extended period of time right now. All right, Shane. So that's one thing. I mean, we we've said it all off season. Tennessee's got some talent, but uh, you know, lacking in depth certainly after so many defections this off season. And uh, yeah, just you just hate to see this. Like even when I put this out, information out there. You know, Tennessee fans, uh, they've been down this road before, basically, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, Mike, again, we've been down this road. I, I, I think of mm -hmm. I think of Dooley not hire or not picking up any offensive line and 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 it it affects us. So when you have a, a coaching change and we drop some recruits, we just talked about Gooch and there were some other players. There was just some depth that we lost, and it's you know, hopefully it doesn't rear its ugly head but we know it's going to i just hope it's later in the season and one final thing on tennessee i just wanted to play this final clip uh, he was asked josh heupel that is was asked uh you know anything surprised you about this team or, or any observations and i think tennessee fans are really going to like this what is maybe something you've learned about this team through these first or even today that maybe you didn't know going into camp I think I just look back to uh, to where we started, right? Just our sense of team, um, sense of uh, competing for the guy, you know, that's sitting next to me in the, in the team room that stands to the next to the left or right, and in uh, in the locker room. I think there's a, a sense of becoming a team and and uh, it being bigger than just me. Uh, and ultimately, if you're going to have a, a football team that that plays the right way, it's got to be about the guys around you, not about yourself. You know, earlier this week, Shane, I don't know if you caught it, but Dane Davis, the offensive lineman, just talking, he talked about how much fun coming into the building mm -hmm. is and going to practice and all that. And now you get comments like this about uh, unity and coming together. And, yeah, I mean, these are kind of standard things, but I think it's safe to say the last several seasons at Tennessee, this is not something you heard very often. So, again, <laughs> if nothing else, I mean, there's – there's glimmers of, of hope here that, uh, you know, things are going to be different under Josh Heupel, and I think that's all the Tennessee fans are hoping for. That's it, Mike. I'm not expecting great things from the University of Tennessee this year. I'm just expecting different things. And that that just airing it out, that's what we want, man. We want to see our coach go out there and try to put up some points because years past, that's what's caught us. Yeah, we've had some pretty good defenses, but if you can only score 13 points, you ain't going to win the game. So – I, I love the I love the energy that I'm hearing from these kids. Uh, that's what you want. And when you start bringing some of these recruits in there, they feel that it's not it's not fake, and they want to be a part of something like that. So I, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited about the next chapter at UT. All right, Shane. Well, let's kick it on down next to Gainesville. 
where Dan Mullen uh, and the Gators gearing up for their first scrimmage of training camp here. And, man, again, uh, we've been getting questions about this. I didn't really want to share any information until <laughs> it was com- confirmed, but uh, projected starting defensive back Jaden Hill out for the season yeah. with an ACL injury. And those are injuries are bad enough as it is, but uh, this is a guy that he had this injury previously. So uh, different knee, but now it's both his knees have been torn ACL at one point or another. Yeah. And this is just tough, tough news for the Gators. So let's kick it over to uh, Dan Mullen, who talked about that and, and who could potentially step up here. Uh, it's been pretty good. Uh, kind of, you know, you got your normal bumps and bruises. Got a couple of Robert Carlson and uh, is going to be out for the year with an ACL. Jaden Hill tore his ACL. He'll be out for the year. So very unfortunate uh, when you got to deal with, with, um, with injuries, uh, you know, and guys. And it's, it's really a tragedy, you know, the amount of work that these guys put in, how hard they put in. Both of them were non-contact injuries. And, um uh, you know, just kind of a, a shame that stuff um, happens out there on the field. But sorry to hear the news on Jaden. Yeah, he was, he was uh, showing some signs last year. Where, where, how do you? Where do you address that position? Who, who are you? Well, I mean, I'll be a bunch of guys. I mean, you're still in training camp, so there's just, you know, I mean, there's going to be a lot of opportunities uh, for guys coming in. We have guys, you know. Uh, we have uh, Perkins transferred in, going to have an opportunity. You have, you know, obviously Avery Helm, who's, you know, I think going to be extremely talented. Uh, might just have to accelerate his career to get him on the field. Ethan Pouncey coming off the, the surgeries is really kind of getting back to the player we thought he could be. So they're going to be some of those young guys that might just get a little more opportunity than they were expecting at this point. All right, Shane. So, you know, tough, tough news there from Gainesville when anytime one of your starters goes down and, uh, you know, I, I guess they're just, they got to be thankful that, uh, I know Missouri, Mizzou fans aren't thankful, but uh, Perkins that, that signed with Missouri went through spring and then transferred down to Gainesville. Now he's right there in line to potentially start yeah. in the secondary for the Gators. So at least Florida's got some talented options here. You know what? And that's the thing. Unlike the the last stop there in Knoxville, <laughs> you, you have a stud go down. You do have somebody back behind them that could step in, maybe not the same caliber, but, you know, not as big as a drop, not a big drop as uh, some of these other programs. So that's what that's what we're creating competitive depth. And, and now that Dan's been down there a little while, he's create he's got plenty of it. Uh, you hate hearing any injury, especially your studs. But I mean, that's the nature of this game. And uh, last thing for from Dan Mullen here, uh, you know, everybody wants to know Emory Jones. How's he looking? How's he doing? Uh, Dan <laughs> Mullen talks about Emory Jones and then. I keep doubting it, man. Their defense is going to be much improved. And a big piece of that sophomore defense alignment, Dexter Gervin. Sounds like, uh, you know, he's a monster now there down in Gainesville going into year two. And, you know, it's pretty bad when your head coach is trying to pump the brakes on that kind of talk. And, and what have you seen areas of growth did you see and notice? Oh, it would have been, it would have been what, the last, last spring practice because they're not allowed to be out there without a ball. I mean, we do some walkthrough stuff uh, here and there, or discussions at meeting times, but not on the field would have been our last spring practice So um, that we had. So, you know, as you go through different things with him, um, you know, I, I just think he's, he's approached everything very well, but he's approached things great since he's been here. You know, I think he's <clears> – <throat> He's never been a guy, you know, come in. He's always been a guy that's open, that's learning, willing to adapt, learn how to adjust to the role he's in, learn how to grow and continue to grow through different roles. And I think he's been able to do that, a really good job of that. Uh, and so I think, you know, when you do that and you've seen how everybody approaches things and you approach things the right way, which he has through his whole career, I think, hey, this role, uh, I'm, ex- you know, I-, I know what to expect and I'm expecting the, you know, kind of maybe the additional scrutiny and pressures and everything coming into the season. Yeah, Dan, I know Edgar asked you a little bit about Emory. What's your feeling in terms of how his retention's been from spring ball? Uh, really good. You know, I think he has a good grasp. I mean, he has, uh, obviously has a really good grasp of the offense, been around for a couple of years. Uh, you know, and so I think it's really getting into the more how to function, how to use the offense. Um, you know, constantly on accuracy, balance, making all his different type of throws uh, that he needs to make, and then his comfort level into how to make plays and when to make plays. And we limit some of that in practice. You know, we'll be like, hey, uh, you, have, you have the freedom to, you know, to scramble today. 
There'll be days I won't give them as much. I won't give them freedom. Like you have got to stand in the pocket, um, you know, and then you, you actually got to coach beyond that and say, hey, I, I hope you would have scrambled in this situation. They're just like, I mean, there's a huge running lane to go take advantage of it. But we, we kind of give him a lot of different things. And so I think his grasp of the offense is really good. Uh, it's now it's, it's getting him prepared in every situation how to be the best playmaker he can be. Hey, Dan, I was just going to ask you about uh, players raving about John Dexter. I'm just curious, have you seen out there what they're talking about in terms of this guy going to be a beast this season and an unstoppable force inside? Uh, you know, I don't that that. You know me, I don't go to those extremes maybe with compliments, um, right? But, uh, you know, the one thing to me that Jervon, that I like that I've grown, obviously we know he's got physical talents. Um, I think, but, you know, one of the things that you see is different is his maturity of his understanding that, you know, hey, I have these physical talents, but I also have to understand and play within the scheme. I have a job to do on, on every single play. You know, I got I to gotta complete my assignment. Uh, you know, and my approach to how I come out and play, I think he's he's shown a great deal of maturity um, within it. And it's maturity, and that, that leads into leadership. Maturity leads into his better preparation uh, and, and maturity and understanding of, hey, I'm not just this big guy running out here trying to make plays. I'm out here trying to execute the defense. And I think that he, that's what's really shown to me. All right, Shane. So once again, Dan Mullen very high on his quarterback. And I just found it hilarious where <laughs> – <laughs> I mean, there's very few coaches, but uh, Dan Bullitt, you know, he's a unique guy, uh, not wanting to, to build up uh, one of his star players too much until they hit the field this fall. You know what? Yeah, my wife gets on to me all the time about not complimenting her enough, you know. <laughs> I can relate, you know. But it's it's rat poison, Mike, and we can't let these boys know how good they are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you haven't you haven't made it that's the thing you haven't made it we haven't even started the season at the end of the year we're holding up a national championship trophy then we could talk about how good you are gotcha all right last stop shane we haven't been able to talk about uh the commodores yet so let's kick it on down to nashville take it down again i mean this is uh, pretty interesting stuff where uh, ken seals you know, we've seen, mm -hmm. we've all seen what he can do. Very quality quarterback there for the Commodores. And then here, I thought that was the biggest deal with the spring game. Again, you never read too much into a spring game, but the backup, Mike Wright, I mean, he looked like a revelation for Vanderbilt. So when training camp opened and they announced quarterback reps are going to be split equally until further notice, that caught my attention. And now here we are a week into camp. And it certainly sounds like uh, that's still the case. And not only that, but, uh, you know, much was made about the Commodores not having jersey numbers this spring and everything like that. The first two players to earn their jerseys were Ken Seals and Mike Wright. And I think that gives you just an indication. Come on now. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> how close this thing is. And potentially when your quarterbacks are, are team leaders like that, yeah. uh, I think it just builds up the entire team uh, around them, you know. Yeah. What? Well, at least it ain't your damn punter. Punter getting his number first. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're in a time where guys can transfer whenever they feel like it. And, you know, you got two quarterbacks competing. What did it mean for you that you didn't have to recruit those guys back when you get here after they've been through coaching change and all this stuff, where they could have easily opted for something else well I think they they believe in Vanderbilt you know and I think this goes beyond me I mean this is about a commitment to a university and a belief in a in a place and it's the same reason I came back right it, this is this is a, an amazing an amazing program that hasn't achieved the level that it's capable of but they believe in it and I believe in it and so um, obviously um, that that's the thing that uh, that keeps them here and so it means a ton to me and both those guys uh, including Moose too they've all three um, they haven't flinched, you know, they, they've, since we've gotten here, they've all three developed, they've grown physically, they've grown mentally, um, and they're learning how to, how to quarterback the team, which, you know, I think sometimes with the quarterbacks, they train on their own, you know, they have their own coaches. And then what, in reality, what becomes important at this level is that that one position strengthens, strengthens the other 10 on the field. And so there's, there's a dynamic there of leadership that, that has to, that has to be a part of their process. And, um, uh, you know, I'm proud of the guys for how they've worked. You mentioned the second scrimmage. You, do you want to have a starting quarterback after that? Are you comfortable taking that competition into game week? Where 
you know, is your general you know, pref preference in terms of when to decide that? You know, I don't know that it necessarily is beneficial to to have a date to where we have to name a quarterback. To me, it's a matter of letting the competition play out. Also, I think, you know, there's there's two skill sets there that are challenging to prepare for. And so um, for me, it's a matter of like, you know, being honest with the team, uh, being authentic to what's happened through our competition. Obviously, you can develop chemistry when you have a named starter and you kind of know who's going to be out there together. But, you know, I'm very comfortable taking that into game week because ultimately, um, what you just want to see is the competition first. Is that why those two were among the first to get their numbers when you did the uh, Ken and Mike? Yeah, well, they, they earned that because of, yes, their work, their investment in the program, um, and like that's work in the weight room, again, on the field, in the classroom, in the community. That is uh, building into the program in optional times. I mean, they, they've, been, they've been in the front of all that. What do you think of you know, the quarterbacks in terms of how they've maybe progressed or developed in camp and especially like with taking care of the ball? Um, we, we've been careless at times at the finish of play. Like I think one, one of the things in practice that's a challenge is you can get in bad habits with what you do with ball late in the, in the snap because we're not facing a live rush. You can force it a little bit and that to me is a recipe for disaster in terms of turnovers. But um, Look, they're, they're, you know, they've had good days and bad days, good throws and bad throws. You know, over the course of practice, like you, you're going to get enough exposure to where you're going to have some snaps you're really proud of, and some, you know, where you made the wrong decision or you know the ball elevated on you, whatever. Um, I think Saturday will be a, a big moment for them. You know, build to see what production looked like then. We'll have another chance, um, you know, next Saturday too for a scrimmage. I think a lot will be determined through through that environment. All right, sorry about that, uh, Clark Lee, again, next to the the damn mower there. I don't know why all these teams, I guess because they're out on the practice field, but, uh, you know, we need Coach O out there yelling to, to shut that damn <laughs> thing up, you know, while the while the interviews are going. But, again, uh, I love all these comments we get anytime we do get to uh, hear from Clark Lee uh, because, I don't know, man, I I think in recent years, it's we could certainly question, you know, all due respect to Derek Mason, mm -hmm. but – uh, it, it certainly seems like uh, there's a new man in charge there in Vanderbilt, and and while you know we may have not known much about Clark Lee coming into this thing, uh, the job does not seem too big for him. Right. And I, I don't know if that was necessarily the case with Derek Mason. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and the kids respect him. I I, I always think of them as as a poor man Arkansas. The same mentality, that blue chip atmosphere, and uh, that's what he's creating there. Just get the hard work in. And uh, it starts with your quarterback. So I'm just, again, I'm, I'm extremely excited about what what Vanderbilt puts on the field because a lot of people didn't realize how pretty good they were last year. And I think they were mismanaged. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't think we're going to see that coming into this year. Yeah, and, you know, last thing on Vanderbilt real quick, but, uh, you know, just hearing from Clark Lee and, and talking about the, you know, the buy-in and, and, you know, the potential there, which is something we always talk about Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think enough is made about, you know, we all give uh, Ed Ogeron and Sam Pittman all the credit in the world for uh, being good coaches, but at the same time, they are just perfect fits for those schools. Yeah. And we're seeing that with Shane Beamer, I think, mm -hmm. as well at South Carolina. And I think maybe it gets lost a little bit that uh, Clark Lee fits that mold as well at Vanderbilt. You know, certainly a very well-educated guy went to Vanderbilt, and he played – Damn fullback. He walked on <laughs> as a fullback. I mean, you got to be tough as hell to walk on in the SEC regardless. you got to be even tougher to do it at fullback. Absolutely. And, and I think that's why he brought his dang helmet to <laughs> SEC media days. I mean, the more I think about it, the more I love this, uh, this hire. And I cannot wait to see the transformations that happen on the field for the Commodores this year. Absolutely, man. You th I mean, just think about when what's-his-name was down there, the guy we don't speak of at Penn State. <laughs> When they came together, they became a force to be reckoned with. Nobody mm -hmm. wanted to play Vanderbilt. I mean, think about that. It didn't take long to make that program good again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Shane, we've held off long enough. Got an outstanding interview here with Rusty Manziel of 24-7 Sports. Very gracious with his time. And uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. This is Johnny's uncle, by the way. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Don't Google it. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
Hey, well, we got a special guest on the show. Very pleased to have Rusty Manziel on the show for the first time ever. And of course, he works for uh, 24-7 Sports, Dogs 247. You got to check out his podcast, Junkyard Dogcast. And heck, everybody's already following Rusty already, but he's at Manziel247 on Twitter. Rusty, thank you so, so much for joining me. Man, appreciate it. Like I said, uh, put a tweet out a few minutes ago and you know, there's a lot of great, great podcasts, man, but you're definitely in my weekly content. I, I do I do a daily walk, so I rotate mm -hmm. every day, and you're about the right amount. You're about 40, 45 minutes, so I usually get in my, my podcast with you once a week during my walk, so uh, keep up the good work. Appreciate you having me, man. Absolutely. Well, I, I appreciate the kind words, and, you know, we're just so fired up for football, and I, yes. I got a lot of Georgia questions to ask you, but before we get to that, I got a lot of Razorbacks that listen to the show and uh, I know that uh, you know Sam Pittman well from his time there in Athens. So I was just wondering, uh, you know, it seems like he's everybody's favorite coach. Can oh, you share uh, maybe a favorite story you have of uh, Coach Pittman? Well, you know, I didn't really know Coach uh, before he came to Georgia. Uh, I don't think he hides the fact that he is a big country music fan. I mean, he loves country music. Uh, you know, he's a big country music guy. And uh, in my hometown in Rome, Georgia, they put on concerts and do a great job of getting people here. You know, we're in Northwest Georgia, about an hour from uh, Atlanta and Northwest. And mm -hmm. Luke Combs played a concert. Um, okay. It was it was a makeup deal. Like Luke Combs had already made it. Like he was past Rome. You know, like all these guys, <laughs> you know, Jason Aldean, Luke Bryan, all these guys have played Rome, and they were like, there was a hundred people there. You know. Uh, but Luke Combs had, had made a promoter a promise. He said, listen, no matter what, I'll come back to Rome one day and play a concert. And he did. I think this was in uh, July or June of 2019. Well, anyway, I, me and my wife go, obviously, and we're there. And we pull up to park and, and, I, and I pull up and right beside me is Sam Pittman and his wife. And, uh, you know, we're kind of the backstage area, man. And he is just, I tell you what. He had flown back, I think, from the Bahamas and landed like six that morning and drove all the way up here. And oh man, just really got to hang out with him that day and, and just chill. But you can see why that guy is an elite recruiter. You know, he is just he's just that guy. There's not there's not an element ever that he's out of place in. It doesn't matter what group of people he's with. He kind of owns the room and. Uh, you know, you see players that played for him. I ran into Jamari Salyer this summer at a camp and. And I said, how are things going? He goes, well, you know, things are going good. And we started talking about Coach Pittman. He goes, man, I just, I miss that. I love that guy. You know, that guy's, you know, he's that dude. And, uh, and, and you know, they got Matt Luke at Georgia, which was an unbelievable replacement. Mm -hmm. Kirby Smart had a home run there. But Sam Pittman is, he's that guy. And I've told everybody, and I'll tell the Arkansas fans, I don't know why people aren't digging into them as much, but if I'm correct, they have the most returning seniors of any team in the country. Mm-hmm telling you right now i know they've got that texas game circled but if if arkansas beats texas in game two on national tv that state and that program is going to go quicker a lot quicker than most people think absolutely well before we get to that game we got one of our own there for uh, everybody in the state of georgia is looking forward to with the clemson showdown week one uh, just how fired up are you and and how fired up are uh all the bulldogs that you deal with over there at dogs two four seven. It's a uh, it's. I said it last night on the board. We need a game. You know, we're at that point where everybody <laughs> on the board just they're just anxious. They're kind of at each other for any little thing, like that Georgia community, and I'm sure every big community in college football right now. They need a game. This is those. This is those dog days of summer, literally when there's no games. Uh, you just get a little bit of camp stuff. Kirby Smart obviously has shut it down in Athens, so. There's very little media access, so it's just hard uh, as a fan base right now. They're, they're excited about this game. It's funny because, you know, I thought about it last night. Uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence right here, 20 minutes from me this way. Nick Chubb right here, 20 minutes from me this <laughs> way. Two Northwest Georgia guys. They're going to play Saturday night. The Browns play at the Jaguars. Oh, wow. And then I'm pretty sure afterwards there's going to be a little bit of smack talk. Before <laughs> but this is a this is a massive – this is one of those I don't care what fan base you're, you're, you're a part of. You're like, I'm not doing anything that night. Georgia Clemson's on, and I'm watching that game. Do you think this will be the biggest uh, regular season showdown of, of Kirby Smart's career, or do you maybe put last year's Alabama game maybe above it? I, I think it's uh, I, I you know I hadn't thought about that. That's a great question. It might it very well might be. You know, this is a game where 
there's a lot of momentum riding on this. You know, I, I talk a lot about Georgia, different places, and here's what I find interesting. You take Georgia and the history of Georgia, and it's always been a really good program, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but they've had those glory days from time to time. And mostly it was during the Herschel Walker events, Dooley era, you know, that 80 to 82. But if you take away those three years and you look at what Kirby Smart has done in the first five years, I mean, the guy won an SEC championship. He played for two more. He won a Rose Bowl. He won a Sugar Bowl. He won a New Year's Day six. There, That's a pretty damn good first five years for Kirby Smart. Now, the bar has been raised from what he has done, but I think the perception of Georgia outside the Georgia fan base is a little different. The Georgia fan base is very excited for Kirby Smart. Now, national perception-wise, if he wins this game, Georgia's going to be looked at a lot different. Like, yeah, this, they're here. Mm-hmm. This is a team. They're worthy of this national championship talk. If they lose, they're going to fight that all season until they probably get into that Mercedes-Benz again. And that's what I say about Georgia. They've done everything, but they got to win again in December in Mercedes-Benz because if you win there, all the cards laid out for you in January, you have all the opportunities. But Georgia's got to find a way to win that game in December. It just so happens this year it's going to be a monster one to start off in Charlotte versus Clemson. Now, in that game, uh, how confident – I know media access is limited right now, but how confident are you that the secondary – with the incoming transfers and, you know, that there's plenty of talent there, just kind of inexperienced. How confident are you that they'll be able to hold up against Clemson who uh, here in the last couple of days announced Justin Ross is now, you know, full go. So that's just another weapon that uh, Georgia's defense has to account for. I think Georgia's, I think the secondary's best friend would be Georgia's front seven. Can they get pressure on DJ? Can they get to him? Can they, flush him out of the pocket because listen i've spent a lot of time around dj i spent a whole week with him in texas at the um at, and, and bryce young which was really cool we had him on separate teams mm-hmm. and i'll say this dj is he's an elite quarterback his arm is incredible it's like he throws a baseball now if you want to compare him to what trevor lawrence did trevor lawrence was so underrated with his legs and how you had to account for that every play dj's not that type of guy he's going to stand in there and he's going to deliver the ball uh, you know, big time arm, you know, is a very smart guy. He's not, you're not going to fool him much. So I think Georgia's secondary, the key for them is that front seven getting pass rush, because if you can do that, it makes things a lot easier, but there's a lot of inexperience, very talented guys. Now, Keely Ringo is very talented. Uh, you bring over Darian Kendrick, who's going to know a lot about obviously his former team, Tyke Smith's there. Mm-hmm. Lewis Seen is the guy. Lewis Seen is a flat out dude. He's an NFL first rounder. I'll say it right now. Kid out of Texas. Uh, safety for Georgia. He is a he's he's a bad dude, but um, there's a lot of inexperience in that back end. So I think it's going to be a very very high scoring game, and I think it's going to be very close. I think it's going to be a high scoring game for early in the season. You know, offenses tend to be a little bit behind, uh, but I think as far as you're talking about Georgia secondary, I think the best friend for them will be that front seven. Can they pressure DJ and keep him in the pocket? Now I really wanted to ask you about the you know the makeup of this team and how you think they'll handle all the expectations and the adver- you know adversity is going to happen. Yeah. How do you think this team will react? Because I always roll my eyes when people say, "Well, Georgia's hyped up every year." Well, the beauty of college football is every two to three years, your entire roster is is completely different. So, who cares the expectations when when Stafford was there or Aaron Murray or Jake Fromm? That's got nothing to do with this Bulldog team. So, you, you know, you're the go-to man. How will this team handle expectations and adversity if it arises? On paper, you look at you look at who's the leaders. Who's the guy? Last year, nobody knew who was going to play quarterback. You know, Jamie Newman. This time last year, Jamie Newman's still a George Bulldog. Right. He, he didn't leave until after that second scrimmage when things didn't sound like they were kind of going in maybe the direction that he had anticipated, you know, and he made a decision to leave, and that's certainly his decision. But – I think when you look at this, JT Daniels, clearly the guy. JT Daniels got to have spring practice. You bring back Jordan Davis, who's mm-hmm. probably a first-rounder, uh, a guy that's been there four years in that locker room. You know, Kobe Dean, here's a kid with like a 4.1 GPA. Uh, you got some very experienced – Zeus White, Zamir White. You've got that key senior upper-class leadership, in my opinion – that's an advantage for Georgia. When you go back and look at 2017, you had the Lorenzo Carters, you had the Davin Bellamy, you had the Roquan Smith, Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle. All those guys decided to come back. 
Well, not only did they come back as good players, they came back as guys that can run the locker room. So I think Georgia not only brought back some good players, they brought back some guys on both sides of the ball. Jamari Salyer, obviously, uh, definitely probably a leader on the offensive side as well. So I think the key components going into the season on paper is why Georgia is getting all of this national championship type hype. Uh, the people that dig into them a little bit, you got a returning quarterback who looked good in the back end of the schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a lot of key pieces back. Offensive line is going to be young, replacing a lot of guys. You lost George Pickens. You know, can Eric Eric Gilbert help you early on or not? There's a lot of questions there to be answered. But one through eighty-five, unless I'm correct, one through eighty-five. This is every one of Kirby Smart's players. So this is fully his program now. And you mentioned JT Daniels. We've seen a ton of uh, elite quarterbacks come in and out of Athens. And I mean, recent history, long-term history. I mean, there's it's like a quarterback factory down there. Yep. Where would you rate uh, JT Daniels, just maybe his pure arm talent based on uh, all the, the quarterbacks you've seen down there come through Georgia? I think I think with JT, it's a lot of comparison to Jake Fromm. He's a very, very smart guy. He is like, from what I understand, off the charts, smart, film-wise. I talked to an SEC coach uh, Sunday night, a former SEC coach. We were talking about JT Daniels. I said, hey, you know, what do you think about him? You see him, he goes, he's rusty. He's really good. He, he gets them in and out of the right plays. Uh, his, he's like, his knee must have been really messed up for them not to play him because he's clearly their guy. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to – kind of toned down a little bit the JT Daniels things I, I I think he is clearly their guy mm-hmm. he's the guy to lead them this year but I think people are putting all these expectations on him let's let him play a couple of games Clemson by far is gonna be the best team he's played uh, let's see how he does in that game how he goes through the season I think he's going to have a really big year but I worry about so many so many people putting so much on him uh, so much you know pressures and and things so let's let him play a couple of games this Clemson game is huge for a lot of people but I think if JT Daniels comes out and fires that thing around four touchdowns 350 400 yards uh, with those wide receivers and that young offensive line some talented guys I think then the expectation for JT Daniels will shoot through the roof he'll be everywhere in every article Now, what are your thoughts on uh, Muschamp stepping up as a, a full-time assistant and, and Scott Cochran? Do you think he'll be back? And, you know, what does it say about Georgia where here we got a guy that's a multi-time head coach, multi-time elite defensive coordinator, can just, uh, you know, they got a guy lined up ready to go. I mean, it, it certainly seems like everything's rolling down there in Athens and, and they're they're fully embracing the expectations. And it almost seemed like, you know, I, I won't say that they anticipated this happening, but if it were to happen, I mean, they had the perfect guy lined up ready to step in. Kirby Smart won the offseason by keeping Will Muschamp and not letting him go to Texas. Um, that That's not getting written about enough. And I'll say this, when Will Muschamp moved into Athens, you know, his family had moved again a couple of times. His, uh, he's got a sophomore quarterback. He's got a sophomore son by the name of Whit Muschamp, who is definitely going to be a college prospect. Uh, he, you know, he played at um, Hammond School over in Columbia, South Carolina last year as a freshman. They won the state championship. By the way, he played with Drew Bobo, Mike Bobo's son there, mm-hmm. who's now over at Auburn High School. But Whip Muschamp had just moved to Athens Academy. Carol Muschamp, more importantly, had just moved her to get their <laughs> house sold, and they were moving into Athens. So, you know, you get your feet wet in Athens for a couple of weeks, and next thing you know, Steve Sarkeesian's calling in Texas, is trying to hire you, and um, and I'm, Georgia for certainly had to give him a bump. I don't know what they were paying him initially, but I know on paper they were paying him 300000 as a senior analyst, and that that does not happen. So uh, Kirby Smart, by getting that done, was huge. And then you take the situation with Scott Cochran, and, you know, Scott Cochran, they said, dealing with some mental health stuff, and he's away. I don't know if he's going to come back this year or not. Uh, but I know this, when you have a Will Muschamp, you're able to go – to the shelf and put him in place into the field uh, as one of your 10 guys. That is an absolute home run for Georgia. And I know Kirby Smart is tickled to death to have, you know, a close friend, a guy that gave him his first job, mm-hmm. but more importantly, a guy that can coach uh, specifically on that defensive side of the ball, him being able to be involved on the sidelines and not just stand down there with holding a clipboard where you really can't technically be involved. Now he can be involved with all facets of the game, including special teams. 
Now, uh, yeah, again, I know it's been limited down there, but are you hearing any buzz about camp standouts down there in Athens? You know, it's uh, we, we talked a little bit. There's a guy named Lad McConkie, a young man at North Murray High School, wasn't very highly recruited. Um, you know, I started getting buzz about him uh, through the senior years. You know, athlete, 6'2", 180-pound kid. I know he tested well at Georgia. Um, you know, there were some other schools involved with him, like Army, Navy, a few of those schools. And all of a sudden, in late December that year, Kirby Smart starts, you know, that, that his name starts popping up. And, you know, last year, COVID season came in, didn't get to play a ton, but he's had a really, really good offseason of everything we've heard. Tate Ratledge mm-hmm. is another young man, um, you know, another young man that's in his second fall camp now. And he's really, uh, he's going to cement himself into that. He's going to be in the O-line rotation. I don't know if he's going to star, but he's definitely going to play a good bit. It's interesting. Him and Brian Breesey at Clemson, uh, you couldn't separate those two. when We were out in Texas that year, and I follow both of them on Instagram, and it seems that Brian Breesey's in Athens a good bit, hanging out with Tate. And if Tate Ratledge were to start, those two are going to buckle it up for four quarters <laughs> here in a couple of weeks. I'm sure there's been a ton of smack talk between those two. But uh, I, I would think that Lad McConkey is that guy. Um, a a, a Donnie Mitchell, and I'm, I'm I'm probably butchering his name. He's a young man at, at the Nashville area, moved to Texas over here. Mm-hmm. Everybody I talked to, and that's been from day one, says we 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 got one here. We went and got one, and, and it got down to Georgia and Ole Miss. Uh, mm-hmm. and it was an eligible. He timed out. He moved from Texas to Nashville. Area, couldn't play. Uh, then you had a COVID year, so kind of got lost in the shuffle, but I, I'm I'm very confident that that young man is going to be on the field, and I'm very confident he's going to play early against Clemson at wide receiver. Now, one thing that uh, I keep hearing, and it's uh, no disrespect to Zamir White or James Cook, because I think they are outstanding, yep. and they I think they could start basically anywhere in the SEC, but I think Kendall Milton is uh, going to be the best running back on Georgia's roster, and I think more than anything, that just speaks to the depth and talent they got on that roster. Am I crazy for uh, making that that suggestion? I think I think they all bring something different. You know, Zamir is that hammer. I mean, he is so he's a he's a bull. He's a bull in a china shop. You know, unfortunately for Zamir, which I still think he's going to play in the NFL. But watching him in high school before those two ACLs, it was incredible what that guy could do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, now he's kind of more of a thumper, limited very powerful guy james cook's gonna find i think james cook's best playing days are ahead of him now i'm very interested how georgia uses him this year but i guarantee you this when james cook goes to the nfl you watch what teams do with alvin kamara mm-hmm. and you're like what happened in college with him james cook is going to be a guy when he gets the nfl is going to be so versatile you know can catch out of the backfield can stick it up in there i think he's going to have a really good year interested in him but i agree with you when you look at overall package when you look at vision, size, speed, something I am so um, – it's important to me when I evaluate is the ability to break tackles and change direction. Don't give me a guy that can run a 4-1. Give me a guy that can run a 4-5, but he can take second and seven and turn it into third and two, not third and six. Mm-hmm. He can move the chains. I think Kendall Milton is going to play a bigger role than most of the national media says uh, this year with Georgia. And that's no disrespect to Zamir and James Cook and Kenny McIntosh and any of those other guys uh, who's a very, very loaded room. But I think at the end of the year, when it's all said and done, I agree with you, Mike. We go back and look, I think Kendall Milton's going to get some very meaningful carries in big-time games for Georgia. What's the latest on uh, George Pickens with his rehab? And do you think there's any chance he suits up for the Bulldogs this year? This is – Purely, God, don't let this go viral. Purely, <laughs> purely speculation on my part. Mm-hmm. Nobody in my ear, nobody telling me this is my vibe. If Georgia were to beat Clemson and there's everything on the table and you know everything's on the table and Georgia at that point would be really good favorites the rest of the year, coming into some tough games, but until you at least get to the Florida game, Georgia should be a really good favorite in every game. If Georgia were to beat Clemson, I think that personally tells George Pickens we got some things to play for mm-hmm. here. But if Georgia were to lose to Clemson and they're fighting uphill the rest of the year to just, just win the East and let's try to get in there, at what point does he say, look, I've just got to train for the NFL. I've got to train. Now, if he were to beat Clemson, could he get back and maybe play five, maybe four or five games for you? Uh, Georgia's competitor. I'll tell you this. 
I don't know how much George Pickens likes a classroom, but I can tell you this, George Pickens loves football. He loves it. He'll go compete anywhere, anytime. So I know a big goal is for him is to go to the NFL, and he is an NFL guy. So it'll be interesting. Just my gut feeling, if Georgia were to beat Clemson, I got a sneaky suspicion that you'll see George Pickens before this year's over with. Yeah, and he's just in such an interesting spot because I don't think he needs any more, you know, film no. for the NFL. But, you know, let's say let's say they play Alabama in the SEC championship and, and potentially go to the playoff. That would be really good film for him uh, to, gonna, you know, maybe maybe secure that he's a first round pick. Now, if he's only 80 percent by that time, it could hurt him. So, uh, you know, I, I certainly hope he's 100 percent. We'll just wait and see what happens there. But it, it, he's just in a tough spot. You know what? I'm going on that, that I know George a little bit, and that dude loves it, man. I mean, that dude, I'll never forget watching him in a seven-on-seven. A seven seven. It's Justin Fields at quarterback, Jaden Hazelwood on one side, George Pickens on the other, on a Cam Newton team. Man, it was about 30 degrees one Saturday in Georgia. They're playing. The next day was a huge Nike camp, and I knew that George had worked out all day. I was like, this guy, there's no way this guy's going to work out. Mm -hmm. The first person I see when I pull up on Sunday morning is George Pickens. I mean, this guy loves it, so – Putting some pieces together, I think if there's enough on the table to bring him out, that George has got that in him where he's like, look, I'm playing. I want some of this. I'm going to play now. There's going to be a lot of people in his ear outside that Georgia program that says, you're crazy. But I know this, that George Pickens loves football. That guy competes. And if there's a lot on the table for Georgia, it will not surprise me at all to see him playing if, if he is healthy and he clears uh, protocol for the ACL. All right, Rusty, you're like the go-to man in the state of Georgia for recruiting, and that's arguably the best state in the country for recruiting. So I really wanted to ask you this. Have you seen, um, you know, maybe it's a little early, but have you seen any impacts in that state with name, image, and likeness? Is that changing anything on the recruiting trail? Not yet. Uh, you know, I, I think most kids are like, and most parents I talk to are kind of wait and see how things are go. I personally think things are going the way I thought they would, like the quarterbacks would get, uh, you know, a lot of money. I saw the gymnast from LSU got mm -hmm. a big deal. Uh, you know, DJ got a deal with Dr. Pepper. So, uh, you know, it's going to be here, – here's what I don't know. Okay, let's just take, for example, let's just, let's just say George Pickens is healthy. Let's say George Pickens came out the Clemson game and he scored three touchdowns. What does that do for him? Does he pick up new deals the next week or – our, our business is waiting to see who the guy is. So I don't know how things are going to go through this season, but the way things have went so far uh, certainly is how I anticipated. Now, some of the deals are a little bit bigger. Uh, I do think the, here's one thing that I don't know if somebody's really touched on uh, is really the autograph, the, the football cards, the, the sports memorabilia, those types of things, um, card collector. And, uh, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking, uh, you know, what's a, what's a Spencer Rattler card going to do, you know, mm -hmm. all these guys and these types of things. So we'll see. I think a lot, some people went with clothing lines and all that. I'm not real sure on that yet, but the memorabilia autographs going to your local barbecue place in town. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine 20 in 2017 had Nick <laughs> Chubb, Sony Michelle and Roquan Smith took a Wednesday night and went and signed stuff in Athens. They, they didn't tell what they would have made. So, <laughs> They'd be uh, making more than Kirby. <laughs> probably. So yeah, maybe on that day, but you know, you look at, you look at a guy like Bryce Young, you know, Devontae Smith, in Alabama, what would Devontae Smith had done? You know, what would Devontae Smith done in 2017 as a freshman? He catches a play on the national championship. He wins it. You don't think that next week, Devontae Smith could have had some autograph sessions in some places. So no doubt. Uh, I'm interested in the reaction based off, performance on the weekend what happens the next week and then that to me would be kind of the next phase of the nil all right rusty i really appreciate all your time i just got one more question for you i had a listener ask me this and i waited till i got in touch with you because i knew you'd be the go-to man for this but a georgia fan wanted to know a lot of elite prospects out of uh, grayson high school there in recent years and not many going to Georgia. So you got any information? I mean, maybe it's just a individual case by case basis, but uh, any reason why uh, Georgia maybe has struggled a little bit with the uh, land and Grayson prospects? You no, know, I, I get that question a couple of times and, and, and going over there a lot. I mean, I, I'll just go straight to it. Everybody kind of points that toward Kenyatta Watson. Kenyatta Watson now is a director of recruiting relations at Florida State. I've known Kenyatta a long time, long time. I know this. He showed me his phone one night. 
at a game and he had text threads with Kirby Smart that was this long. So there's communication. There wasn't anything bad. It's like, you know, hey, this guy's recruiting this guy. You need to offer this guy. So I know this. You know, that wasn't the angle there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Georgia recruited his son as well. Mm-hmm. I just think it's been one of those deals where they, you know, they haven't gotten it. There were some different deals where they recruited players, and Georgia recruits nationwide. You know, right. you look at Juan De Marsh, Kevin Harris, Owen, you know, Georgia recruited Owen Pimpo. Mm-hmm. They didn't get Owen Pimpo. He went to Auburn. Well, Georgia winds up getting Nicobe Dean. So in the same class. So I think it's just been a combination of some of those things, but I can tell you this right now, there's a couple of very, very young, talented players there. They just got one matter of fact, Griffin Scroggs just flipped from Georgia tech uh, to Georgia from Grayson. So I'll tell you this, I don't expect that trend to continue. Uh, they got a couple of very, very young, talented players that Georgia's offered right now in that 24 and 25 class. And I guarantee you this, that George is going to get at least one or two more in grace in the next couple of classes for sure. Well, there you go. Great tease from Rusty Manziel of uh, 24-7 Sports. I really appreciate you, Rusty, for uh, dropping all this knowledge. A terrific interview. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me, Michael. Absolutely. All right, Shade. So some terrific <laughs> stuff there from Rusty. He truly is uh, one of the best here, uh, not only in the, you know, the SEC country, but the entire nation covering college football, covering recruiting. He covers high school. Uh, anytime there's a big commitment out of the state of Georgia, it's usually Rusty there with the mic presenting the commitment ceremonies and whatnot. And anytime he puts in a crystal ball there on 24-7 sports, it's mm-hmm. – you know, it carries a lot more weight than uh, the vast majority of people that do that. So really appreciate that. And he really uh, brought it with some Georgia knowledge. Yeah, it's never as a Tennessee Vol fan, you hate seeing those tweets come out. <laughs> you never want to see a crystal ball coming from Rusty. But uh, no, I thought this was a fantastic interview, man. Felt like I was behind the scenes there for a minute. But one thing he talked about that really stood out to me was the Clemson game. And, and as mm-hmm. if anybody knows me, they know I'm a diehard Tennessee Vol fan, but I'm close SEC fan. And that means, you know, if t- if. Clemson and Georgia are playing each other. I'm rooting for Georgia. That's just who I am. Because one thing that we can stop this year is the Clemson hot train. Okay. <laughs> They're ranked number two. We we joked, we joked about the coaches poll uh a couple days ago. Well, you want to know who number two is? It's Clemson. And if there's any if there's any way we could just shut them up, I'm talking like a 40, 50 point victory, Mike. So we don't have to hear any more news about Clemson the rest of the year, or they deserve another opportunity. They don't, <laughs> man. So I, I, I am going to be definitely tuned into that Bank of America game, pulling for them dogs, especially against Clemson. Man, I hate Clemson. Yeah, yeah. And it's a good point you made there. You know, I, I don't think we've referenced this enough, but we've been on record. We think Georgia's going to win that game, but. Yeah, And I'm not uh, flip-flopping on that uh, prediction or anything, but if you look at it, let's say Georgia for some reason does drop that game. Yeah. They can easily get back into the college football playoff and win the SEC. For Clemson, you lose that game, your season's done because you play in a damn joke of a league. And and I don't think they play another ranked team the entire year. So, (laughs) I mean, let's let's eliminate Clemson week one. I just think that would be glorious. And uh, I hope that doesn't give them any added motivation that uh, their joke of a conference is not going <laughs> to help them get back in after they lose to Georgia. You know what? Oh, man. And you know the Georgia fans, they need it. They need a victory like that. They don't want a close victory like they had against, uh, what, Notre Dame a few years ago. Right. That, that I mean, they won that game, but then there was a lot of people like, well, if there was another quarter, Notre Dame would have <laughs> won that thing. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to have that. We want you to just beat the brakes off of them. So they were not talking about Clemson and Dabo, and then maybe he's leaving. I mean, we just need that program to go away. Mm-hmm. I think they had a fantastic quarterback there last year. You know, I, I gave him a hard time, but he was a freaking athlete. Let's just say it. Should have yeah. been at the University of Tennessee, but whatever. <laughs> Whole other story there. But he's gone. And now they're extremely young. You know, he's talking about Georgia and all this this senior leadership. And I think that's what I think that's where they they win this game. They come out, they know how big this thing is. You got to remember some of these young kids at Clemson haven't played in front of a hundred thousand fans yet. They don't know. A lot of Georgia players have, and that's what I'm expecting them to come out loud, ruckus, just, just, I mean, 
bring some of that Georgia defense that we saw early in the season last year and bring some of that offense that we saw late in the season last year. And I tell you what, man, it would not surprise me if they don't hang three or four touchdowns on these boys. I put, I'm already betting, man, lock of the week, baby. Already <laughs> I'm putting on the Georgia Bulldogs. <laughs> well, Shane, you got me fired up. Uh, I don't know about everybody else, but uh, now I'm ready to go into the weekend and thinking about uh, not only that game, but uh, all the great games here. We're about 20 yeah. days away, mm -hmm. 22, I believe, as this podcast comes out from the college football season, and only 20 from Tennessee's kickoff here. So, right. uh, man, I cannot wait for it. But uh, unless you got anything else, buddy, I'm ready to wrap this one up. No, man, that's it. Fantastic day, fantastic interview. Uh, uh, we did get some bad news out there, guys. Uh, I know a couple of you guys got some really bad news, and just hang loose. Hopefully, that's the last of the injuries. Uh, you know, just uh, one second, Mike. Sorry, Core's catching up to me there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had to put. I had. A, I didn't have a cold beer. Uh, I mean, it was cold-ish, but I had to put it in the freezer for the last five minutes, and it, it's full's gold because after the sip, it's like, oh wait, <laughs> 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 them mountains ain't ready yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, now we took some bad news, uh, took some hits today, but we also got some great stuff. And uh, like I said, fantastic interview. I'm looking forward to some more news coming out. Uh, this is the last one for the week, ain't it? So we'll yes, be back sir. Monday, right? You got it. All right, man. Two days closer. I love it. So everybody out there, enjoy your weekend. Yeah, and if you made it this far, of course, give us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app. Uh, we really do appreciate each and every one of those, and we give you a free beer koozie just for doing that. And, of course, you know, check us out on YouTube. That's blowing up. So we really appreciate all the support there as well. But that's going to do it. We'll catch you on the next one. <laughs> oh, we fumbled on Friday, baby. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Just, yeah, enjoy your last day at work, guys. Get it over with. Get, get out of there. Enjoy your weekend. So, But, yeah, I'm out too. Go, boss. <laughs>